0: I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBSI Views podcast. With me is Ashish Chanda, Chief Executive Officer and Founder of Crystal AI. Crystal AI is a global digital private wealth platform making alternative global assets accessible to Indian accredited investors. Let's just set the scene in a little more detail, Ashish. There's quite a high bar to be an accredited investor in India. So
1: yes, accredited investors, uh, you know, it's it's a concept that the Indian regulators are now introducing. Uh, It's going to be consistent with what the global regulations are. Yes, the bar is high, but there are mechanisms, there are certain assets like property and things like that, which can be considered. Uh, So fortunately, over the last few years, as people get more affluent, uh, this particular definition is able to encompass uh, a lot more uh, people. So, for example, in, in Singapore, it's a million Singapore dollars, which works out of close to five crore uh, rupees in India. But when you add the the property piece to it, it makes it a lot easier for someone to get their real assets and financial assets together to
0: to uh, qualify for accreditation. Well, we are basically talking about high net worth investors. What's the significance of? alternative global assets what are the marketplaces you're making available to people yeah
1: so, so it's you see what's happening in the world today is that uh, this particular client segment base which is the the emerging high net worth uh, you know where people the, the professionals the entrepreneurs and and people in startups also these days so there is a lot of wealth being created in a wide spectrum of clients uh, and these people are uh, are global citizens in all uh, aspects of it. Uh, so, so they are working in firms which have a global product. They are using uh, tools and services and products which are actually global in nature. And uh, they are having a mindset which is a lot more open to be able to get access to investments across the globe. So take an example of an investor who's uh, in, in his or her 20s or early 30s. They want to access the next big thing, You know whether it's coming from uh, ESG or climate or SpaceX or, or whatever the next revolution is going to be uh, in the technology or maybe in the biotechnology space. So people are very keen to get access to these and traditionally, such alternative assets or even private assets have been reserved for the elite. You know, people uh, in, in the $20 million account and a $30 million account. So people are only shown these opportunities only if they are at the top 0.1% of the wealth spectrum, and that's the challenge that Crystal is trying to break. Where we're saying that no, now everyone should get a shot at it, as long as the regulations permit. So within the regulatory permit, you are, you don't have to be a 25 million dollar person uh, or, or let's say a 200 300 crore person, but you should be able to get a, a bite sized investment of some of these so called exclusive deals. So everyone has the right to get this access and the right to, uh, you know, get a return from these uh, alternative assets.
0: Do you think it's fair to say that investing overall is becoming something that people need to approach with a global mindset rather than with a regional or even a country-specific mindset?
1: That's definitely the case. So, so you know, uh, people uh, who, who have kids, they're sending their kids to uh, different countries for further education, be it the UK, US, Europe, uh, you know, and, and so on. Uh, Similarly, uh, uh, when you travel out, you travel and you want to see the world. You're basically behaving like a global citizen. You're using tools which are like like the Zooms or Microsofts of the world and and Facebooks of the world. So when you are actually living in a world which is moving more towards the metaverse, which is like a complete different virtual uh, reality coming up, but at least you have to be a global citizen for two main reasons. One is that... You don't have the best growth opportunities in all sectors in one country. And whatever said and done, India is like, you know, two to three percent of global GDP. So you may not have the best innovation, the best, uh, you know, the next decade of growth coming from India. So while we're quite bullish on the the markets there, but it doesn't mean that the next SpaceX may come from there or Blue Origin may not come from there. So what if you want to uh, access these things? So you have to look outside of your own uh, domain and diversify. Uh, so now, diversify is the, is the second aspect. Where you know we've seen historically that there are many factors that affect an economy. So you know the Indian economy has gone through demonetization, has gone through many other uh, events which are very peculiar to that economy, uh, or even a currency depreciation. Uh, whereas the global markets provide uh, some kind of a hedge or a diversification. So this kind of a correlation benefit, uh, uh, you know, goes for. Uh, or demands a mix, a diversified mix of assets where you may even want to follow an 80-20 rule. You could be 80% in domestic and 20% international. Just that itself is is, is a great mix to get started with. Otherwise, you will be only very inward looking and and you're not looking outside on what are the opportunities. Then you actually miss out on on the next decade of growth. And before you realize there's a whole new world of uh, investments and sectors and segments created, but you are just totally
0: out of the loop. So you have a global platform. How complex is the regulatory environment? Because first of all, obviously, you have to satisfy the regulatory requirement for your investors in India. But if you are going to be exposing those investors to international markets, and particularly alternative markets, there must be a mountain of regulations you have to climb over.
1: Yeah, so fortunately, the uh, the standards that we put ourselves to are our global standards, so in a way, the best practices that we've seen in uh, countries like uh, Singapore, Hong Kong. So when we uh, uh, go under the MAS regulations uh, and we see what are the best practices of MAS and SEBI and and kind of adhere our own internal compliances to that, that makes our life a lot easier. Yes, it does put some restrictions, so we may not be able to give this access to alternates to a large segment of clients, you know, let's say to maybe uh, 100 million clients we won't be able to give access to, but at least to this emerging uh, affluent segment is something that we uh, you know, are very keen to and they do qualify to get that access. So yes, uh, I think there is, uh, there is some, some level of standardization that one can achieve if you adhere to best practices uh, and it makes it a lot easier. Uh, the other thing is that our platform believes a lot in transparency. So the moment you imbibe transparency in, in, in your values, and you know what do the regulators want? The regulators want you know, companies like us to do the right thing for the clients. At the moment, you bring transparency into the mix, which uh, which technology uh, enables us to. Then we are able to uh, you know handle all the queries and and you uh, know uh, all, all these sales processes in a much seamless manner. Because there's nothing really to hide. There is hardly any conflict of interest in our business model, and that gets addressed quite easily. So it makes it a lot easier. If your business model, your revenue model itself is aligned with the customer.
0: Well, let's talk about the kind of investments that people are making through your platform. This is alternative investments, private equity, pre-IPO deals, venture capital. This is relatively high risk, I guess. What are you doing to arm investors from India with the knowledge to make sound decisions in these arenas, right?
1: So, so I, I'll actually clarify over there. As you know, when these kind of investments, when they're done on a portfolio level, yes, they should classify as higher risk compared to, uh, let's say, a simple index. But I think they are uh, they are more in the illiquid uh, or a longer gestation uh, bucket. So, private equity investment. Let's take the funds like we've done, whether it's uh, KKR or Carlyle or Tiger Global. Uh, so these funds are well-known brands in themselves. They are known for delivering an IRR, you know, upwards of 15%. But the key thing is that it's illiquid. So you know, there's a holding period of anywhere between five to uh, eight years, and that's what is, is is what is needed to be determined. That anyone who's coming into such alternates, do they have a horizon of let's say five to ten years or not? Uh, also, a lot of these investments come uh, as part of the what we call as a satellite portfolio. So everyone has a core portfolio and a satellite portfolio. And these, these investments are actually meant to be in the satellite portfolio so that you know that this is not the, uh, uh, the bucket where your core fixed deposits or, or fixed income or, or REITs and, and equities are going uh, because it is a more illiquid bucket. The other uh, beautiful thing, elegant, elegant thing that Robin we do is that we are enabling investments in fractionalized amounts. So, you know, you go to um, any any blue chip uh, well-known brand who must be doing well for hundreds of years, they will not even show these investments for someone who's less than, let's say, $20 million worth, and they will ask you to write a check of $2 million. We are able to do these investments as little as $10,000, $20,000, or, or let's say upwards of uh, 7, 8 lakh rupees, uh, you know, uh, uh, for people in India. Now, that makes it a lot more palatable. Because that is where you can, you can test it out, you can taste it, see if it's meant for you, go through that journey and see whether it fits your profile. So while risk profiling, appropriateness are, are key things that uh, you know, uh, we do in our KYC process. But even beyond that, you know, we uh, believe in delivering personalization. So does it even make sense for you to have an investment? Uh, you know, let's say if you're, if you're running a retirement portfolio, should you even be going into a private equity for a 10-year horizon? Probably not. You know, if you're doing uh, if you're doing a growth portfolio for your kid because your kid is five years old and let's say 12, 13 years down the line, you, you need a corpus. So are you is that okay? You no, know, that's that's where, I mean, those are the kind of questions one needs to think about and answer. And that's the effort we we put in and we bring to the table to make sure that there is a right match of profile and the investments. So I wouldn't blanket call it high high risk. You know, uh, high risk for someone is a good opportunity for someone else. So really don't know which way to look at it, but it's, it's more about appropriateness and risk profiling and going
0: with that. That's kind of investing 101, I guess. But looking at the markets now, we're at the beginning of 2022. What would you say is the outlook for alternative investments at the moment? Because the way I look at it, it's a much more active sector than it used to be. That's right.
1: So you know, Robin, I found this quite fascinating. You know, the people uh, there, there are clients, there segment of clients who come to you and say that, hey, I'm doing this investment for a five year horizon, and I'm going to buy the, the index or a balanced basket uh, and put it in a managed basket of let's say indices. And uh, boom, when Federal Reserve talks about tightening and raising rates five year horizon suddenly becomes five days and people start asking you, hey, what's going to happen tomorrow? You know, dude, I thought like a month ago you said five year horizon <laughs> what's happening over here. So and, and it just so happens these questions are never asked in the illiquid investments. When you're putting money in, a, in a, a basket of imagine a sequoia and a tiger and a KKR, you know it's going to be five to eight years. And that's where you know people are quite comfortable. But just because something is liquid, that they start looking at it and emotions start coming and playing with the, the investment discipline. And that's hierarchy, right? That's where things go for talks. toss. In this environment, there are a lot of opportunities that is created in the private space. In fact, I'm glad that there is a, a correction, a recalibration, uh, both in the private markets and public markets, because I, I think it's, it's very important for uh, investors to realize that Markets are not a one-way street. It is an up and down journey. And while, yes, the trend is typically upwards over a five-year cycle, but give it a five-year cycle. We have seen, uh, I've seen interest rate cycles in 94, in 2013 tapering, in 2018 when rates were looking to go up. So in, in all these cycles, within three to six months, markets start looking up because guess what? The rates are going up because you have the economy being pretty strong. And of course, inflation starting kicking in. So so it's actually a good news, but the market perceives that good news as bad news in the short term. And guess what? In the short term, this is what is going to happen Like if you're trying to behave like a trader. So you should behave like an investor and and look at the opportunities coming in this space, uh, both in public and private markets. Uh, So we're quite optimistic in the private market space. And yes, a recalibration uh, was needed, which has been happening for the last, I would say, couple of months, which is a much welcome change. Uh, we, We find it much... Uh, better, because now we can go and take certain deals with higher conviction to the market that, hey, there is true value here, and that is being created,
0: and it's not uh, at a valuation which you saw maybe three, four months ago. Ashish Chandra, Chief Executive Officer and Founder, Crystal AI. Thank you very much.